If you're joining us new, we're going through the book of Galatians. The, the kind of the title of this summer series is The Religion Ruins Everything. And so we, we kind of tongue-in-cheek uh, put that down there, because one of the things about uh, Galatians is that it's all about uh, a, a, the Judaism, um, people who convert from Judaism and Christianity, and then how they kept adding things to it and adding things to it. Last week, Brandon kicked off the series, and what we noticed was he, 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 Paul comes out very different than he does any other, any other book. All the other books, he's like, hey, it's Paul, grace and peace to you. Hope that you're blessed. Hope that everything's going great, that you guys are feeling great. He's like, it's warm, warm, warm fuzzy beginning. Galatians, he just comes out, and he's like, okay, why did you leave the faith? Why did you do this? Why did, like, come on, you can't turn away from the Christian. He just comes out hot. Like, like nothing else. It's kind of like, where's the warm, fuzzy Paul that, that you know, wrote to those other guys? And so, but Paul, but he's, he, he comes in a little more, little more um, uh, emotional because what, what, what happened and what we're going to address is that the, the Christian, the, essentially the Christian church kept adding to what they were told. They took what Jesus taught and what the disciples taught and they just kept adding more and they kept adding more and they kept adding more and when you do that you really de- deviate from, from the religion altogether and so Paul's like no, no, no stick to the gospel stick to what I told you so he comes out in a real unique way last week and so if, if you, you want to go back it's a, it's a great kind of beginning but um, what we're going to do today is we're going to Paul has this short little reprieve where he, he tells his story and he goes and, and tells kind of how, you know, he, he, went, he went from, you know, before to when he met Jesus and, and how he's different now. But it's in a very strategic way, kind of different. So it's kind of a, a good thing. We call it testimonies in the church, right? We call it, we, we like testimonies. We like hearing people's stories. We like hearing what God has done. Like I was this way, but then God got a hold of me. Now I'm that way. Now I'm that. And so what's, what's funny in the church too, we have this kind of hierarchy of testimony, Right, like the more dramatic it is, the better it is, and the less dramatic it is, the worse it is. You know, we want to hear that story where they were like so far, so far, like you know, out here and gone, and then you know, God spoke to them in this crazy way, and then now they're you know, leader of the church everywhere or something like that. You know, it's like we love these dramatic stories, but somehow, if your story is not, you know, as as dramatic, that hey, I don't, I don't really want to tell that. It's just not very exciting, and it's not very this or that. And I just want to, I just want to say right now, uh, Jesus changing lives is, is impactful no matter what. Jesus getting a hold of our life and us, us giving life to Christ is, is important and is significant no matter how dramatic you think it is or isn't. So I just want to, I just want to make sure that we're, we're very clear on that before we, before we get into that. Um, Jesus changing lives is, is amazing and should be celebrated all the time. And so we're going we're to get into this. The, the theme of today is the, the gospel changes lives. That the gospel changes lives. We're going to talk about a little bit about how Paul's life was changed. So if you get your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Galatians 1. What we're going to do is we're going to kind of take a slow walk through uh, the, the, the second part of Galatians 1, and then we're going to kind of come back and pull some stuff out of it. So I'm going to kind of read a few verses, talk about them. It'll be great, I promise. Galatians 1, verse 11, here we go. For I, would have, for I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached to me is not man's gospel, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now here's interesting, but Paul takes on a whole different tone here, doesn't he? If you look back a little bit, Paul, Paul goes from like offense, he goes from offense 
Why did you abandon the faith? Why are you doing this? To now, all of a sudden, he almost takes a defensive posture. Now, he's not defensive in the sense that he's like, whoa, 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 hold on. But in the sense of like, let me clarify some things before we move, before we move forward. So Paul starts out, he says, hey, I, I would have you know, brothers, you guys need to know this, that this, is, this gospel I got, it's not from man. No one taught it to me. Like, th- this is not something that, 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 that I got, got in the mail, but this thing came directly from God. Now, why would he see the need to even, to even say that? Because his, 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 what it means is, is the assumption then is if this thing came from man, if this thing, if, in other words, what he's teaching, if it came from somebody, if he, if he just talked to, to, to someone about, okay, now what am I supposed to say now? Because keep in mind, he's fresh. He, he was you know, fresh from his conversion. The first time he went and told these people, he told them, you know, it was pretty close to after his conversion. And, and if, if this gospel came from man, one, uh, it, it could be copied, right? It could be learned. Uh, also, that it, it's not miraculous. It's, it's not miraculous. So Paul really is emphasizing that it did not come from man, that he did not teach it, but rather that it came from God because if it came from God, then it's miraculous, it's supernatural, and it should be listened to. That it's significant, that this should be something that people are paying attention to because his audience, people who are receiving this letter, you got people who are receiving, because remember, Galatia's not a, a, a single town or a church. This is a region. This is an area with a lot of, a lot of church, a lot of people, and so He's writing to people who, one, maybe are accepted the gospel and are still holding on strong to it, right? Just never deviate, still on it, talking to some of those people. Some have accepted the gospel and then added to it, which is what he warned against last time, which we'll spend a lot of the next, you know, a few weeks uh, talking about. They've added to it, kind of deviate from the gospel, so they're not following. He's also writing to people who are scrutinizing every single thing he says. So we're talking to people who are are fact-checking him. People who are saying, this isn't real. This is, this, I'm, I'm gonna catch you in a lie. When I catch you in a lie, I will disprove what you're saying. So with that in mind, Paul is trying to communicate with a point. He's telling this story and, and even his story, but he's got, he's, got, he's got an angle because he's very strategic. Paul's very, very smart. He wants to present it in a way so that no one can... can can discredit him. So he almost takes this defensive, this, this, you know, let me clarify this thing. It's not from man. I didn't get it from anybody. I got it from God. This is from God. The gospel that I've taught you is, is from God. He wants to establish uh, very much, very much his credentials and, and set up, set up a, a clear explanation of where this thing's coming from. He keeps going on to, to explain. So let's go verse 13 here with that in mind. He says this, that for you've heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently tried and tried to destroy it, and I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own, my own age. Among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. Paul was well known at this point. They may not have known his face because you know, they didn't have you know, social media, pictures, all that sort of thing. But they, they, knew, they knew this guy, Paul, or actually Saul is what it was back then, who, who had this major conversion moment. He went from persecuting the church to now he, he changed. And so Paul is acknowledging that. But also he kind of throws in some credentials there uh, as well and kind of talks about his, his, his old life. And so he's talking about his, his former life in Judaism. His former life in Judaism is one, he, he, he was a superstar, 
He came in to, you know, he came in to, the, to be, you know, one of the, the, the religious leaders. And, you know, it's like the class that he came in with. Well, he was, he was excelled quicker than those guys, right? He was elevated higher because of his zeal, because of his passion, because he's willing to do what needed to be done to see Judaism expanded and this, this Christianity nonsense squashed. So, his, so Paul, and, and, he, and he was infamous, he was famous. I don't know which one it was, infamous or famous, but, but he, was, he was a rising star. He was the dude, he had the best credentials, he had the passion, he had the zeal, he was going after it. And so he acknowledges to these guys that, that you know, his former life in Judaism, and he persecuted the church, he was advancing in Judaism very fast because he was zealous. I'm, I got some of the verses where he talks about his former, his, his former life. Here's something you could kind of uh, follow along with. In 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10, Paul says this. Paul says that I am, I am the least of the apostles unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Philippians 3, 6 calls himself a persecutor of the church. 1 Timothy 1, 3, a persecutor and violent aggressor. We got Acts 9.1. This is him talking about his road to Damascus experience before his conversion. Keep in mind, he says that while he's still breathing threats of murder against the disciples. This is, this is, how, this is how he's, you know, this is about his story. This is what he was doing. Acts 22.4. I persecuted the way, which is, which is Christianity, to death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women. And then we also read, and there's even more verses in this out there, but these are some, some of the, some big ones here. Acts 8, 3 says, but Saul was ravaging the church, entering house after house, dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Like this guy was busy. This guy, he, he was zealous. He was going for it because in his mind, this was the way it was to be done. We don't, we don't know a lot of specifics. You don't read historically a lot of the specifics on how he, uh, how he would persecute the church. What, what is interesting, though, that, that, that you can find is that there's, a, there's a, a Jewish historian, Josephus, and some of you may have run across his writing. He wrote history at the same time as when Jesus was, so actually what's interesting is you can corroborate a lot of the stories with them. Um, but, but one of the interesting things that you run into is, is although we don't know specifics about Paul, that the adjective that I just re- read or, or, or uh, about Paul ravaging the, the, um, the homes and coming in in Acts 8.3, you find that same Greek word in other contemporary writings of that time by Josephus describing how this, this other zealot, his name was Simon Bar-Giora, I think is how you pronounce it, Giora, who knows. But the same word was used to describe what that guy Simon was doing as uh, in relation to burning down villages and towns. So the same word was used for those two Greek words. So a lot of some, some scholars believe that like what Paul was doing was, was not just jailing, but was just what was, was worse, was more extreme. There's more violence, a lot of death that's involved. You know, Paul didn't come to town looking for a spirited debate. He didn't come to town looking for, you know what, I'm gonna argue uh, Judaism and just beat all of the Christians intellectually. You know, no, no, this was not a civilized thing. 
That's a reasonable thing to do, right? You have differences, you talk about it. That's how we handle things. We teach our kids that because it's a great way to go. No, no, Paul's like, no, no, these people, these Christians are, are teaching heresy. They're, they're, they're threatening the structure of Judaism. So I'm not gonna talk about it. We're done talking. This is the time for action. You're all going to prison. If I can find you, you're going to prison. That's his posture. That's what he did. That, that's so so he, he brings that up to the, the writers here, just so you guys know, I was zealous. I was like the top dog. I was moving up in the chain. Like you knew this, you know this. So Paul's writing this to the people who are listening, like reminding them of the zeal that he had. So it meant something when he wrote that in verses 13 and 14. Let's keep going on in verse 15. But when he who set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. So it's kind of an interesting, an interesting way to structure this, right? Hey, I'm super zealous. I was going up in the, uh, up in the hierarchy of the religion. And, and then we'll, but when God got a hold of me, and notice, notice his acknowledgments here, he uses words like, hey, but when he uh, who had set me apart, so he acknowledges that, you know, like there was some, there was some uh, you know, God had a plan for him. He's like, set me apart through, through grace. He was called. All was revealed through Jesus. He has a new purpose and a new meaning. So, so Paul before would tout his personal accomplishments, the things that he had done, that he had earned, that, that how he had risen through what he did. But here, all, all of the emphasis, all of the um, praise is coming off of him and on to God. He who set me apart, who through grace was called, all was revealed through Jesus. It's all Jesus. I have a new meaning and I have a new purpose. He goes straight, he goes, he goes straight from in, into this explanation of all of that. And then he says, I, I wasn't, you know, I didn't immediately go to the disciples and figure out, hey, what, what, what are our talking points here? You know, it's not like a news anchor where you kind of read the teleprompter. It's like, what am I gonna say? Okay, I'll say that and that and that. You know, it's like, it's not that. Because, because if he did that, then they could just say, people could just say, well, you just, you just talk to, to, you know, all the guys anyway. You were just hanging out with, you know, James, John, the whole crew. Like, they're just telling you what to say. This is, you know, this is, you know, you're just, that, that, how do we know this is from God? No, no, he's saying, I skipped it all together. Not only did he have a, like, spiritual, uh, you know, repentance, which, you know, turned 180 degrees, he, he, he changed spiritually. He changed, you know, uh, uh, physically, like, went a different direction. It was like, okay, I'm going to go to Arabia, which is a huge area. He's like, Damascus is on hold. Because keep in mind, he was going there to, to kill himself some disciples. He was going hunting right there. He was like, and, and so he was going there. That's when he was uh, uh, uttering murderous, like, you know, threats to the disciples. That's where he was going. He was going to do that, which is like super dysfunctional. Like he was in a bad place. Like, you know, he, and God got a hold of him and he just like, I'm going the other way. I need, I need some time here. Because I think, I, I mean, really this is, if you, if you think about it in, in a court a lot, this is Paul's alibi. This is Paul's alibi. I didn't, I didn't go there with the other guys to figure out how to do this. I, in fact, I went off on my own. I went off into 
uh, Arabia and, 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 and I, went, I, I didn't even go there. So he's almost like, this is like an alibi. Like I didn't meet up with them. Because, and he wants us to, to know two things here. He wants us to know, one, that he didn't meet up with the disciples, so they couldn't have coached him. Uh, and two, he needed to sort some stuff out. Right? Think if you're Paul at this point. At this point. Think if you're Paul. If, if, you're, if you're, you're, you're sitting here thinking, like you meet, because the story, if, you, if, if you've recall, been around church, the story is he's on the road to Damascus. He's you know, gonna go hunt down some Christians, got a, got a, got a good lead that they're in Damascus. He's gonna get them. He's gonna put them in jail. He's on the road there. And this bright light comes and it, and it, it, it blinds him. And he just, he's immediately, you know, he hears a voice saying, you know, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And his first response is, Lord, who are you? So he has this clarifying moment where he has the wherewithal to be like, okay, Lord, who, who am I talking to? And the and Lord probably like, it's, it's Jesus whom you persecute. And so he had this moment where God spoke to him and all of a sudden he's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta change, I gotta go. And he goes from it. So I, I can only imagine what's in his head at that point. I mean, you're probably like excited. Like, man, I just, I just talked like with God. I just had a moment that was like, it was real. Um, you know, I, the, God spoke to me. He gave me, gave me a plan, gave me, gave me a purpose. But, but, oh, but that means I've been killing people who are following Jesus and Jesus is God. And so, oh man, like, I feel bad about that. Like, I feel terrible. Like, think about that. He's been killing Christians. And then all of a sudden, he like, is one. Like, like overnight. Like, not even overnight. Like, over... I don't know, took a minute, two minutes to talk. I don't know how long the conversation took. Think about that. You go from, I'm gonna kill you guys, I'm gonna kill you guys, I'm gonna kill you guys, and God's like, hey, uh, Saul, you should stop. I'm actually God, so follow me now. Okay, you got a lot to work out. You talk about like a therapy session. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like you know, you got, you got a therapist on retainer there trying to unpack all that. I can only imagine because all of a sudden, the very thing that you pursued and that you were so zealous about, turns out you were wrong. You were wrong, and Jesus intervened, and then you just completely changed. So I think it's a healthy thing to take some time to, to, to process. And so Paul was not just letting people know that, that you know, he didn't, he didn't uh, you know, get coached by the disciples and what he's sharing, but also he's like, I gotta, I gotta think about this thing. There's a lot of application in that as well as far as you know, taking some time to process what God's doing and how he's moving in your life, because sometimes if we move too fast, uh, we, we, can, we can get ahead of God sometimes. But let's keep going on verse 18. It kind of finishes our section here. It says this, then after three years, so it's after not, not three full years, but on the third year technically, uh, on the third year, I went to Jerusalem and I saw Cephas, who was Peter, and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except for James, the Lord's brother, and what, and what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into uh, the regions of Syria and Sicilia, and I was still unknown in person to the church of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, it, and they glorified God because of me. So if you catch that, he, he, went, he went to Arabia for three years. Now, it's not a, a, a full three, like a full three as we count full three, but it's on the third. So it could have been, you know, two years in a day, two years in 100 days, two, something in that time period. So it took a significant period of time, nonetheless, right? Significant period of time. 
And he clarifies, there's some specifics in here, the, the, the you know, third year. Then he, then he mentions, but I did, go, I, I did go to Jerusalem, saw Peter, 15 days only, right? He's very specific, 15 days. And then I saw James. No, no, not that James. This is the brother son of James, not James, son of Zebedee, who's walking with Jesus, who knew everything about him. No, this is, this is the, the, the James, the brother of Jesus, who, well, let's be real. How, what would it take for you to think your brother's the son of God? Well, like dying and raising from the dead and you seeing that? So James believed Jesus, but not till later. So this was, this was different James. He clarifies because again, he wants to create that space from the disciples so they know I, what I'm teaching you. It came from God. I couldn't have learned this any other way. Now, this isn't like a normal way that we learn the gospel or that we learn the Bible is through, you know, Jesus' bright light and stopping us. That, that, I mean, that was, it seems to be something that was a, a very, like a unique to Paul thing. So don't think that, you know, we can't learn from each other. We can't learn from the scriptures. But in this case, Paul is under a microscope. His God, the gospel he's preaching is under a microscope. People are looking for any sort of way that they can critique, that they can discount, that they can catch him in a lie because he, he didn't have to put in that he saw, saw Peter for two weeks, for, you know, 15 days. He didn't have to put that in there. In fact, the only reason that's in there is because the recipients might have heard, no, no, I, I heard that you were actually in Jerusalem and saw, and saw like, Peter. Like, like, isn't that right, Paul? It'd be like, so he got ahead of the game and said, no, no, I, I was there 15 days, saw him. Went and saw, saw James. No, not that James, the other James. And, and so, you know, so again, he's saying, what I'm, what I'm preaching to you is right, and, and he even acknowledges that people didn't even recognize me. People didn't even recognize Paul. Now, they recognized his story. They would have known if he explained who he was, but they recognized his story, but not, not who he was. And here's the great part again. They glorified God because of the life change that was in him. And so, and so we... We, uh, we, we, we come across, we see this, this, this weird, this weird uh, you know, clarification that Paul's making over and over. And it seems a little redundant, right? Seems a little, seems a little like, okay, we get it. But he had, to, he, had to, he had to check off every box, like close every you know, loophole that anyone could possibly make. So he's being very strategic, very smart about this. And he's just letting, he's, just, he's laying it all out because what he's teaching wasn't from man. It came from God. It was very miraculous what happened to him. And, and, it's, and what happened to him, like, like, it was from God. There was no other way that you could have seen that kind of major life change. So here we, we get these kind of, these kind of verses. There's, there's a couple application points that I want to make here. Because we, we look at this, and there's some good stuff in there that we can learn, some background stuff. But, you know, we're not in the business of just gathering facts. We're in the business of of applying these things. And so in a contextual sense, one, one, the, the point that, that Paul wants to get across is, is one, that the gospel he is preaching is legit and it's from God. He wants us to know that what he's preaching is from God. It, 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 it's because if it's from God and if it's, if it's legitimate, then we should pay attention to it. And so he kind of, he lays out his case. He lays out his case. And the second thing that we, that we learn from this is that the gospel changed his life. The good news of Jesus, that's what the gospel means, it is the good news of Jesus changed his life. You talk about a dramatic transformation. Paul had a dramatic 
transformation. So Paul's teachings were consistent with what the disciples taught. They were consistent with what Jesus taught. He wants us to know that, but he also wants to know, we also want to know this, and here's, here's an application point I'll bring to you guys this. It's that the gospel has the power to change your life. That the gospel has the power to change your life. The good news of Jesus has the, the power to change your life. The, really, the gospel, it, it, it's a rescue mission, really. That's what the gospel is. Let's look, I want to revisit verses 14 and 15. Verse 14 says this, and we're going to run into to a really crucial part of this that we, we kind of went quick over, but, but it, it's, we're, going to, we're going to camp on it a little bit here. Verse 14, and I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my years, or beyond many of my own age, among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. But, but, when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal himself in me. That word, the but. That word. Now that's, that's you know, I, I had to look up the literary term, but it turns out that's a conjunction. You English teachers are like, come on. You know what I'm talking about. It's a conjunction. And so a conjunction is, is, is used in a literary sense. It, it's used to introduce something uh, or contrast something with what had already been mentioned before. So it's, it, it's, this, it's, this, it's this, this meeting point of the old and the new. So in a literary sense, you take, you know, you, we use it in terms like, uh, you know, our you know, the other team scored a, a touchdown, but there was a flag on the field and, and the, the ball got taken back. Or I was in a car accident, but I didn't get hurt. You know, or, or you know, I got jury duty, but, you know, I didn't have to report in. Praise God, may that always be the case. <laughs> Just kidding, it's a civic duty, you should do it. That, that word but is so important in this because, because it represents the old and the new. It represents how the gospel works. There's, there's that, that powerful idea in, in the Bible that, that we run across that, that is the, the idea of God's intervention. You see, because spiritually, it, it represents how we are made into a new creation. We were one way and then God got a hold of our lives. Now I'm another way. I used to be like this but God intervened in my life. Now I'm like this. We see it all throughout the Bible. It's one of the most powerful concepts in it. And so I want to I give you this point, and we're just going to keep going on it, that embracing the gospel will change your life. You see, because potential is great. Okay, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a huge Blazer fan. We've had a lot of potential great draft picks. And we're like, it turns out we're just trivia questions now of like, hey, who was that number one draft pick that didn't work, right? And if you're a Blaze fan, you know what I'm talking about. Potential doesn't matter unless it's realized. So when I, I want to make very clear that embracing the gospel will change your life is very different than just knowing it. Like the gospel can change your life 100%, but that, that implies that you're going to, to embrace it, that you're going to put your arms around it, that you're going to engage with it. You see, if Paul just sat on the road to Damascus and, and God intervened and said, Paul, hey, you know, God, you're, you're persecuting me. And he's like, Jesus, I'm persecuting you. Yes, you are. It's like, okay. You know, then he keeps going to Damascus and it's like, but I got a lot of prestige in, in Judaism, so I'm gonna keep going. Now, I know that Jesus is real, but I just, I kind of, I kind of got a good thing going here, so I'm just gonna keep going. You know, even though I know Jesus is like God, you know, 
it wouldn't have mattered, but Paul embraced the gospel. He even took some time to go away, and he, and he, and he I'm sure he had to like do some self-check, had to read some scriptures. He's looking at it a whole different way, and so it's the embracing of the gospel that will change your life. There's a great book that is, that is about this idea. It's, a, it's called But God, the two, two words at the heart of the gospel, and there's, there's, a, there's a great quote in there that's, that says this. It says, to the left of But God, in scripture appears some of the worst human atrocities characterized by disobedience and rebellion. To the left of but God is hopelessness, darkness, and death. But to its right, following but God, readers of scripture will find hope, light, and life. Following God's intervention, the story of scripture becomes one of grace, of righteousness, and of justice. So we, we look at that idea of, of the but God being the moment when you go from, from old to new. You go from hopelessness, you go from you know, suffering, you go from pain, you go from heartache, you go from all, you go from that to the purpose, to joy, to fulfillment, to, to, to hope. Whoa, it's getting good now. <laughs> to hope. So, so that idea of but God is very much at the heart of the gospel. You and I very much need that. You know, as I, as I, uh, as I think of examples in scripture, there's a, there's a great psalm, Psalm 73, that, that encapsulates this kind of idea. You can almost see the reader or the, the, the psalmist's um, you know, process through this. And so Psalm 73, it says this, because there's, there, there's, a, there's a dichotomy here of the, the, the but me versus but God, right? right? When, when it's me, I react very differently. I can control very little. In fact, and the things that I can control and that I am over are, are, tend to be very selfish, tend to be very you know, self-aggrandizing, like, like I'm, I'm flawed. And so if I try to take care of something on my own, it, it's just not gonna turn out well. And so, but, we have, but we still have that in us as humans, don't we? We still have that, like, but me, I, no, I got this. I can take care of this. It's kind of in our, in our DNA as a, maybe like an American society. There's a, like, I, I can do this, I got this, I don't need it. There's, there's that idea. You and I both know, though, we need more. We need help. And the psalmist unpacks it really well. In 73, verse one through three says this, truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure of heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. What a human sentiment, right? Like, I've thought that. I'm looking at some people that seem to be doing awesome. They're just like, you know, jerks, just mean, just, you know, anti-God, anti-all this. I was like, God, why on earth is this person prospering, right? And you've done it too. I'm not gonna make you raise your hand. See, that, 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 uh, that proves it. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it's one of these things where uh, it, it, this is such a human thought. And I, I like that it's down there because I, you know, misery loves company. And it's like, hey, I've been there because in, in my flesh, in my sin, I, I see people and in, instantly, 
instantly. I'm like, I'm like, judgment, judgment, judgment. How come this? How come that? Why are you, you know, so, like somehow I'm attributing, you know, uh, the, what I do, like I can work my way up to God's favor by doing X amount of things equaling God loves me, right? And we all know that like, like there's nothing I can, we can do to make God love us more or less. Like he just loves us so much. And so when it's, when our, when our own, in our own power, that's where we end up. But then we also, he, the, the, the psalmist goes on in verse 26 to have one of the most beautiful psalms. It's, you, probably, you might have read it at some point. It brings so much encouragement. It says this, verse 26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That's the but God. You see, when, when, when you know, Andy thinks, you know, sees, sees evil Prospering and and thinks you know I, I get angry and I get mad and I get upset I get this and that but but when God comes in He works on the heart and He knows this that, 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 and I have to trust that He's got this because that sentiment verse twenty six offers us redemption hope joy contentment and so as we as we kind of you know land the plane here I I, I ask you this question do you do you need a but God moment today you see your life's brought you to this point so it's eleven twenty-five, father's day 2022 you're here you're here you're here right now in this moment and and you're hearing this story of paul and how god got a hold of his life and how he changed him how god intervenes and i, w- I want to ask you do you need that but god moment because that but God moment requires you not just to to see or know about God but it requires you to respond requires you to respond uh, Paul Paul describes the gospel to Timothy he's kind of a young a young pastor in in 1 Timothy 115 describes it very well he says this this is a trustworthy uh, I, I, the the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. That's the gospel. We're, we're sinners, right? We're, we're, we could go, you know, left alone, we're, we're sinners. We, we can see how, how mankind can really mess things up. How we can really cause damage, how we can cause hurt, how we can cause all sorts of atrocities. But Jesus came to save us so that we don't have to stay in that, so we don't have to live in that, so we don't have to wallow in that sin, but rather he came to, to give us uh, saving from that. See, Paul, if Paul can experience that redemption, then, then so can I, and so can you. If we, if, and, and what that looks like, what embracing that looks like with Jesus is acknowledging that, okay, I can't do this, this thing called life on my own. I can't do it on my own. So I need a savior. I need something to save me from this. And so embracing the gospel means I acknowledge that Jesus is that thing I need. He's that savior. He offers that forgiveness and that redemption. And so I'm gonna then, I'm gonna, I'm gonna embrace that. Embracing looks a whole lot like, like you, you get in your, your, your Bible and just look at what it, what it says. And, and it also looks like, you know, coming to church like you are this morning, just being with, in, in an in a environment where we're learning and we're worshiping and we're singing his songs. It looks like that. It looks like a lot of us putting our old life behind, turning our back on the sin that we used to get into and, and just trying, trying to keep moving forward. And, and 
that's what embracing it looks like. We're gonna give it a try. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna follow God. We're gonna get together with, with people and talk about the Bible. That's what I mean when I say embracing it. And so we're gonna, we're gonna kind of finish up here and the worship team's gonna come out and I wanna talk to kind of two, if there's two, two areas in your life that you might need a but God moment. See, there are those of you that are, that, are, that are very much in need of one that are, you're a believer, Christian, you know, you follow him, you know, you're, you're, but you're just, you're in a place that is like so difficult and just is so overwhelming that you just don't even know how it's gonna work out. You don't know how, you don't know how it's gonna, how, how this, this thing could possibly be okay. And I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna say to you this morning that, 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 that I'm gonna give you a chance to pray and I'm gonna pray for you. But when you're going through those moments, we pray for one of two things because we, we, we pray for God's deliverance from it. Just, Lord, take me out of this. Just, just pluck me out of this. I can't handle this. We pray for that. But we also, if that's not God's will, we also pray for the strength to go through it. And although I wish that God would pluck us out more than, more than often. Um, sometimes we just need that strength to keep going through. And so I want to give, you, give a chance to pray for, for, for you all too. And then for those of you who, who need a bug God moment, you, you haven't even ever given it a shot. You haven't even, you, you, you've at a, at a point where you're like, I've tried this thing on my own. It's not working. Like I've, I've, I've tried time and time again on my own strength to do it. And so you're here. You're here this morning for, for a good reason. You may not know what it is, but I'll tell you what it is. Because God wants to get a hold of you. There's gonna be a but God at this moment at, at, at 1129, Father's Day 2020. Like, like, you came in one way, but after you gave your life to God, you're gonna leave a different way. Okay, I, I wanna give you, you all a chance as well to experience that. So let's... let's uh, close our eyes, let's bow our heads. I want to just, if, if, if you're in that place where you need that but God moment, where you're saying like, I'm in a situation that, that is just, it, it, it's just hard. It's too much, God. I, I need you to either, to either pluck me out of it or, or I need you to give me strength to keep going through it. So if, you, if, you, if you're in that place, you would just raise your hand. I want to I pray for you. No one's looking around. Just pray your hand and say, God, I need a, I need a but God moment this morning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you. Lord, these hands that you see and these people who are in this moment, God, where they, they are, are in just a, a difficult circumstance that they, they, this overwhelming. Lord, I pray that you would deliver them from that situation. Lord, I pray that you would, I pray you would be to, 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 to pluck them out, Lord, or give them the strength and the courage to go through it. And that's, I don't, I, I don't want to say that, Lord, in a, in a flippant way, because I, I can't even imagine some of the struggles that are, that are um, being faced here this morning. But God, give, I, I pray that you would walk with them. And those who are going through those hard times would say, you know, people would look at their life and say, you know, I don't even know how you guys are going through this. And, you're gonna, and they would just know that you're with them. Like, I can't go through this, but God with you, they can And then with heads down and eyes closed, I want to I uh, say, if, if you're in the, the, the other uh, place where you haven't given your life to Jesus yet, you haven't given your life to God, and you're just thinking, I've tried this thing on my own, and it's not working, I need Jesus. I need a Savior. 
and you are, I was like, I want to embrace the gospel this morning. I want to accept that just believe that Jesus is the Savior, and then I want to, I want to believe that only through him can I be forgiven and truly live with purpose and with meaning in that forgiven life. If you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time, I want you to just raise your hand. I want to, be, I want to pray for you. No one's looking around. Heads down, or eyes are closed. I just want to, if you want to just, just raise your hand, I want to pray for you. Lord, Lord, I thank you for those hands that were raised. And I pray, God, that, that for each one of those, that you would give them the courage to keep taking those steps forward, Lord. They, they, it is so exciting to, to when, a, when somebody turns to you for the first time. It is so exciting. The angels are, 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 are just praising you in heaven, and Lord, it's exciting, but it's also scary for, for those who are taking that step. So God, give them that strength and courage. I pray that you bring Christians into their lives that will help them grow, that we as a body of church can, can come alongside them. And God, I, I just pray that, that today would be that day, Lord. We know it's that day where they can say, you know, I came up this morning, I went to church, just, a, just maybe a normal routine, but God got a hold of me that day. And now I'm changed. We ask this in your name, Lord. Amen. You know what's, what's, what's amazing about how God works is that, is that, is that there's, you know, we, we, we come to these like somber moments like this, but then we think about like what just happened with people giving their lives to Christ. And like, like it is so, if, you, if you're, if, if, if you accepted Jesus, there are angels in heaven just praising your name of a sinner who repented. So I just, I just, I, I wanna, what was great is that Brian and the team, we have a celebratory song because this is not something we wanna go on a, on a downer. You know, this is exciting. This is exciting stuff. Sin is heavy, but God's forgiveness is light and it's great and it's, we, should, we should celebrate. And so we're gonna, we're gonna finish celebrating this God that offers that forgiveness, that changes lives. So would you stand with me? We're gonna, we're gonna sing uh, a, last, a last worship song and we're just gonna praise that God who changes lives and we're going to praise that God who intervenes.